we are continuing our four-part series. We're talking about setting the foundation, right, for that life abundantly. And, and for most of us, we'd all agree, we'd go, yeah, that's the life I want, right? This is the life I've always wanted is what Jesus promised. And how do we set the foundation for that? Because, again, it's not going to arrive on your porch in an Amazon box. It's, you're going to have to do something, right? And uh, so last week we talked about growing in our purpose. Y'all remember that? Did anybody take any time to kind of work on your purpose statement? Oh, yeah. Love you, Kathy Lyle. Um, <laughs> always, you always do the homework, and I love it so much. It's so encouraging. So encouraging to me. So, uh, you know, if you want to know uh, what pastors want more than anything, it's transformation. If I'm just standing up here preaching week after week, and there's not change happening, uh, there are other things that I could do that pay a lot more. And uh, so, <laughs> you know, so I'm just glad that you guys are working on it. And so we talked about our purpose, that, that our purpose is who we need to become in order to fulfill the vision, right? And what, what we talked about, what kind of character do I need to develop? What kind of skills do I need? Uh, what, what should my relationships look like if I'm going to fulfill the vision, a godly vision for my life? And uh, today, we're talking about discovering our mission and, you know, what's the difference. And I want to I put that all into perspective. Remember I talked about, like, the nesting bowls, right? The biggest bowl is the vision. That is the vision for my life. And the uh, next bowl nesting in that is my purpose. Who do I need to become to fulfill that purpose? And then the third bowl we'll talk about today is mission. So... Uh, in other words, to get these results from my life, vision, I need to become this kind of person, purpose, and do these kinds of things, mission. Are you all following me now? All right? I hope you're walking. You're just, okay? Do your homework because it's good stuff. Do it now or do it when you're 40 and you wish you would have done it 10 years ago. Okay? That's all I'm saying. Uh, either way, you're going to wish you had. So I love the idea of mission. Like mission, sometimes, I'll be honest with you, like the first two parts, I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, awesome. And then mission, I'm like, yeah, you know, because for me, I think it's just like the doer in me. I, I'm, I'm a doer, and you, you just, you ask Wendy, it can be difficult to like relax and watch a movie with me. Like, because here's, here's me. We sit down, and maybe we have like popcorn, or maybe we have like a dessert or something, and we sit down and watch a movie. And maybe 15, 20 minutes into the movie, we're done with our dessert or we're done with our popcorn. I'm jumping up to wash the dishes. I'm, I'm like a doer. It's very difficult sometimes for me just to kind of go, I'm not doing anything. That's not me. I'm, I'm a doer. I love it. And so I think that's why mission just really appeals to me. I like to do stuff. And I like to be in motion. And especially when it's in partnership with Jesus, right? And a lot of times, we get stuck in life. Sometimes we get stuck in life. I know none of you have never been stuck in life, but I have. And we wonder, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do, right? I talk to people all the time. I just want to know what I'm supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do with my life? It's a question just about everybody asks at one season or another or many, many even more seasons in their lives. And I'm sure that you've been there, right? And maybe you've even had like sort of a fairly clear vision where you're like, I just want my life to make a difference in these ways. You've had kind of a clear vision. And, and you're even sort of becoming the person that you need to be, but you wonder, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? 
And I love that this part, that the mission part, it's a big part, right? But it's not the whole part. I love that there's so much more going on, that God is shaping us and molding us and, and helping us to become the people he calls us to be. And so today what we're going to do is I want to hope, I hope to kind of bring some clarity to that question. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Maybe even help you find your mission. And maybe you'll even go onto the Facebook group and share it with us. A couple people, right? Yeah, I love you guys who shared your vision on Facebook. I love it. I was even praying for you. And so we're going to do that. First, real quick, let's pray. God, we love you so much. We praise you, Lord. God, you are wonderful. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, just like you had the promised land for the Israelites, God, you have for us a vision. You have for us uh, an impact that has been made from our, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 years on the planet, 120 for me. And uh, <laughs> we thank you, God, that you have that for us, but we also have to work for it. We also have to partner with you for that to happen. God, I pray that you would cause your word to come alive in us today, Lord, that it would bring transformation. We don't want to just hear your word and then go home and feel inspired. We want to be doers of your word. And so, Lord, bring that in us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So what we're going to do, we're going to start off by reading Acts chapter 26, verses 9 through 18. This passage is, uh, it's really powerful to me because it paints this picture of Paul. You know, Paul is a man on mission. And if you read all about Paul from beginning to end, Paul is a man on mission. He is making stuff happen. That I, I think I can pretty confidently say that all of us are here in this room today because of Paul. Because of Paul's mission. And uh, so, you know, I love the story of Paul. He's on mission. But his mission originally was a really bad mission. You know, Paul's first mission was to persecute and stamp out Christianity. He, th he thought that it was like a plague. It was some sort of weird cult. And Paul's main mission, he was destroying Christians. And then Jesus gets a hold of him, right? Jesus grabs I like to say Jesus ambushed him. Jesus just ambushed him, and the first thing that Jesus does is he gives Paul a new mission, right? I love this. So I'll just read it. It says in uh, verses 9 through 18, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. So this is Paul's talking about his original mission, right, to oppose Jesus. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem, authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I uh, had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. He was a man on a mission, a bad mission. Right? One day I was on such a mission to Damascus armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. About noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. So 
He has this transformational moment with Jesus. And Jesus begins to issue him a new mission. He says, tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light from, and from the power of Satan to God. Wow, right there, mission statement. That's what he's, t- he's talking to, to, to Saul, Paul, right? Then they will receive forgiveness and their sins uh, from their sins and, uh, <laughs> and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. I love this transformational moment. I love this. And you know, I mean, first of all, I love seeing any life transform because there's just something about that to me that is just so, I mean, like, to me, seeing a life transformed is, is just as great of a miracle as the parting of the Red Sea, you know, because a man's heart is not, right? I mean, a changed life like that is a miracle. And... Uh, so it's a life transformed by Jesus. Paul was on a mission to destroy Christianity, but after that ambush by Jesus, you know, basically saying, you've been on mission to work against me, now I'm setting you on a mission to spread the gospel. And so if you remember this, as we kind of go through this, this vision, uh, purpose, mission, uh, remember this, that your mission is the big picture assignment or assignments that lead to the fulfillment of your vision, right? We talked about that. Vision, if I want to get these results from the end, you know, at the end of my life and these results from my life, I need to become this kind of person, purpose, and do these kinds of things, mission. So it's that big picture assignment or assignments that lead to fulfilling your vision. This is the part of the abundant life where we say, if I'm going to get the end result, I need to do these things, mission. And then the mission is broken down further into goals, which we'll talk about next week. Next week actually will be a real practical week because we're going to talk about goals. And uh, I'm kind of excited about that, taking a week and just go real, real practical, break it further down into goals. And so if we want the vision of our life to be more than a kind of pie-in-the-sky dream, which, uh, hey, let's just admit, a lot of times we set these visions and they are sort of pie-in-the-sky dreams. If we want it to be more than just that, you know, if we're serious about living the life that God has for us, then we have to accept the mission to do the things that will get us there. We'll have to accept the mission to do the things. Otherwise, a vision is just what? It's just a daydream. It's kind of a pipe dream. It's out there somewhere, you know. Uh, and we've all had those daydreams, you know. But if we don't want our life to be a daydream or our mission to be a daydream, we have to accept the mission. So what are we going to learn from Paul's encounter here with Christ? First thing is this. A godly mission is submitted to Jesus. A godly mission, is, it's always going to be submitted to Jesus. Jesus, what is it that you want? What are the things that you want to lead me into? What are the things that, you know, I've got to roll up my sleeves and, and do, right? This is the doing. A godly mission is submitted to Jesus. It's easy to have a moment of inspiration. It really is. Like, I, I'm sure all of us at one time, we've had this moment of, illust- uh, of, of uh, inspiration. Maybe it was in church. Maybe it was reading a book. Maybe it was a sermon. Maybe it was a, a clip that got shared on social media. And you got all inspired how you were going to change the world, or you were going to do these things, or you were going to make these changes. But uh, it's, it's, it's not about the inspiration or even grabbing the pen and notebook, right, and start writing out the mission. But it's so important that it's Jesus, Jesus, I want to submit it to you. 
okay? We have to go before Jesus and submit our plans to him and pray about what would honor him. Jesus, what would honor you? You know, it's funny. Somebody told me, and I can't verify this, but somebody told me a statistic recently, and they, they said that uh, the, the number one career choice right now for those aged like 8 to 12 is be a YouTube star. <laughs> it's true. Like that's, you know, that people that in, the, in the, the next generation, when they think about their mission, they think about the fame that they can bring for themselves. You know, and uh, that, I, I, I found that honestly shocking because I think the number one career choice when I was 12 was work at American Motors. But... Uh, <laughs> It was a long time ago when there was an American Motors. Uh, so, but we need to submit our plans to him. What would honor him? And we need to ask ourselves, is this mission biblical? Is this biblical? Is this something that aligns with the word of God? Does it align with scriptural values and principles, right? Is this biblical? Is this really about him or is this about me? Now, you guys know how I just love to diss worship leaders, I'm just I'm looking out. Eric's giving me a look. You better not say anything. But uh, I have found that a lot of times we will dress up a godly mission like it's a godly thing, but really it's about us. And when I was part of a, of a regional movement, movement, I would meet worship leaders that would come in all the time. I mean, all the time. And they'd, I'd, I'd see them once for the first time, like on a Friday night. You know, Friday, you, you've been there, you know. Friday night, and we're all there worshiping, and somebody comes in, and, and, and I've never seen it before in my life, and the first thing they say after seeing everybody just have a wonderful time of worship is, I'd love to lead for you sometime. I would love to lead sometime. And it doesn't take, like, a whole lot of discernment to go, they're looking for a platform. They're looking for an audience. This is an audience that they would love to perform for. You know, and so sometimes what we do is we will dress up our self-aggrandizing mission in holy terms. I just feel really called to lead worship. Usually, they'll, they'll I'll, I'll hear terms like this that are, there'll be red flags. I just want to come and help you guys out. Ooh, uh, help you guys out usually means you kind of suck, but you have an audience, and I think I can get them to like me, you know. And so uh, I know those of you worship leaders here have never, ever had those feelings or thoughts, have never, that they're, uh, they're the humblest of people that, that you know, you know, so, especially my wife. And so hum, humblest, humblest. I don't, could you guys imagine Wendy being that way, just walking up to, like, somebody for the first time? And so, by the way, off, you know, off topic, uh, or going along with this, a lot of times I'd say, well, come for two or three weeks and we'll talk about that. And I'd never see them again. And that was usually kind of, you know, the, the tip. So, really, you want to lead worship? How come you weren't worshiping when somebody else was leading? Ooh. How come you don't worship when he's up there singing? How come you're just standing here, staring into space, looking at the sound system? <laughs> okay, I'll get off of that. <laughs> but, but a godly vision is submitted to Jesus. It's about him. It's about him. And then the last thing about that is, does that mission align with your vision? 
Does that mission align with that godly vision for your life? Because if not, you're just kind of going to be doing things, but you're not moving any closer to fulfilling that godly vision. By the way, if you, if you missed the last couple weeks, let me just really encourage you, go onto the Facebook group and listen to the last couple weeks so that you can you know, come along with us. I know that it, it, this last week's message was not on the website. It went down for a few days. It's back up. Yeah. So rejoice. Okay. Uh, it, was, uh, it was down for a couple days. It's back up. But uh, listen to the last couple weeks. Follow this process. Do the homework. You'll be so glad that you did. So the next thing is this, is that a godly mission will require you to let some things go. A godly mission is going to require you to let some things go. We can't always fulfill God's plan for our life holding on to everything. Um, I, I remember the first time I ever took a missions trip overseas. And I packed so much stuff. I did. I Big old suitcase, and then they put like a red tag on it because it was so heavy, and I had other things. And, man, I, the first, I just brought so much stuff just in case. I hold on, bring that. I might bring a couple, maybe I might need an extra pair of shoes just in case. What if I tear a hole in one of my shoes? You know, like that is going to happen. Like they don't sell shoes in Europe, right? And... Like, just all this stuff. And it was, I remember dragging it through the airport and dragging it to where we were staying, and it was such a pain. And they had narrow staircases. I mean, it was so miserable dragging all that stuff with me. And then, you know, seven trips later, I think the last time I went, I brought a backpack for 10 days. I was there with a And let me just tell you, it was so much easier to fulfill the mission with a backpack than it was with all that luggage. It really was. And so much more enjoyable. I had so much more fun. I wasn't worried about dragging my stuff around. I wasn't all tired and sweaty going through the airport, you know. But, you know, when Paul was, uh, was you know, he was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was a pretty popular guy. I mean, he, he would have sort of been like, you know, the, uh, the Pharisee Stephen Furtick of his day, you know. Like, everybody knew who he was. He was famous, you know. Uh, I'm sure that his social circle felt a lot the same way that Paul did about Christians. And they probably all, you know, did their thing, where they mocked Christians together and talked about how they were going to stamp it out. I'm sure that his whole social circle was like that. It was very likely that he had to cut a lot of those people loose, when he was put on mission from Jesus. Sometimes we just got to let some things go and let some people go and let some attitudes go. You know, if we're going to fulfill the mission, we're going to have to be willing to move on from certain things. We might be, you know, holding on to relationships that are holding us back. We might have some habits that are counterproductive to the mission. We might have some, some spending habits that are counterproductive, some money management habits that are counterproductive to the mission. It's, it's funny because I'll meet people who, like, will spend 40 bucks a month at Starbucks but, you know, won't spend $200 on a course that will help them become the person they need to be to fulfill the mission. You ever wonder about that? Wow, okay? And so sometimes we have to let go of some habits. We might need to let go of some mindsets. We might let, need to let go of some attitudes if we're going to fulfill the mission. Because, you know, it requires a little bit of humility to do so. And so uh, it's going to require you to let some things go. And then the last thing is this. A godly mission is going to require us to take risks. It's going to require us to take risks. It's not easy. 
It's not easy, okay? One of the things that we don't think much about Paul's story is that God sent him to the apostle Peter first, which I thought was really interesting because Paul showing up at the apostle Peter's doorstep would be a lot like if, you know, Osama bin Laden showed up at your door and said, tell me about getting involved with your church. You know, you might not believe him. It might be a risk, you know. It's a risk. We take risks to fulfill the vision. It was a huge risk. Peter knew that Paul was this Christian killer. Peter could have, you know, he could have hid from Paul. He, Paul, you know, he could have rejected Paul. He could have refused to pray for Paul's blindness. But Paul took that risk and went to Peter anyway and said, Hey, here I am. I'm supposed to be here. And so uh, it takes risk. It might risk financial. It might be a financial risk. It's almost always a financial risk. I know, I know our, uh, for our camp, our camp for foster kids, every year we always have people who will take a week unpaid off work and just go, I'm not going to be paid for that week. That's X amount of dollars. I need those dollars to pay my bills. But you know what? God will provide. God will provide. And you know what? We have yet to have a volunteer get evicted from their apartment, miss a car payment, or something like that, or fall into financial hardship because they took a week unpaid off work. Okay? Isn't that awesome? I love our volunteers. And so it might be financial. That might be the risk. You might risk a relationship. You know, sharing Jesus with somebody is always a risk, right? You ever share Jesus with your neighbor or your coworker or somebody, and inside there's that thing in you going, please don't think I'm some sort of weirdo, wacko, cult leader. Please don't think, you know. And, and you know, in some people in other countries, like for a long time in Ireland, uh, everybody considered Christians, they called them born-agains, they, they considered them like a, like a cult because they didn't have the big cathedrals like the Catholics had. They all met in like hotel rooms or upper rooms somewhere in the back of some building that they could afford or whatever. And so they just thought they were weird. And so for a Christian to share their faith with some, their neighbor or somebody was such a risk and it was so difficult. And so sometimes we might take that risk. It might be, you know, uh, something that puts you in a very uncomfortable spot. A godly mission is going to stretch you. It's just going to stretch you. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. In fact, if your mission is comfortable, it might not be a godly mission. If your mission is easy, it might not be a godly mission. <laughs> and so it's going to take a little risk. There's a chance that you'll fail, but it brings glory to God when you're willing to take the risk and step out in faith. I've noticed that God has a way of honoring steps of faith, that even if we fail in our mission, even if it didn't turn out the way we expected it to, God has a way of just honoring it anyway. God loves it. You know, think about, you know, those of you who are parents here and how much we applaud our kids when they try something big, when they try something out of their comfort zone. Even if they fail, they won by stepping out of their comfort zone and trying it, right? So like they say about authors, you know, if you write a book and it bombs, it's still a better book than the book that wasn't written by the other guy who said he wants to write a book. Try to make sense of that sentence. <laughs> right? <laughs> Your book is always going to be better than the book that wasn't written. And so it's going to ca cause you to take risks. And so as we, we close today, I just want to just close with a little self-evaluation. I know a couple weeks ago, 
I, I did something kind of vulnerable. I shared with you my vision statement. Does anybody remember my vision statement? It's something I don't share very often, but I wanted to just share my vision and my purpose and my mission with you guys so you can go, oh, okay, when I'm writing it out, maybe it'll sound a little like that. But my vision is to see people live out God's best for their lives with joy, passion, and freedom. That's my vision statement, very simple. Why did I choose joy, passion, and freedom? Because those are, those are some of my favorite core values. Those are some of the things that I just really resonate with me and, and I want to see and I really feel like I come alive when I see those things happen. My purpose is to continually grow stronger as a follower of Jesus, husband, father, and leader, to become a living example of what it looks like to live out God's best. That's my purpose. I want to become that example. What does it look like to live out God's best? I want people to be able to point at me and go, he's doing it, right? So that's my purpose. And then my mission is to lead people from where they are to where God wants them to be through speaking, coaching, writing, and relationships. I mean, that sort of breaks down how that how that happens. And so uh, I hope that some of you guys, you know, get to writing out these statements this week. Share them on our Facebook page, and uh, I want to see them. I want to see them because I want to pray for you. And so as we close to this day, I just want you to ask, ask yourself, are my plans submitted to Jesus? You know, that's an important question. That's a little bit of evaluation. Are my plans submitting to Jesus? Am I willing to let things go to fulfill God's mission for me. And sometimes letting things go are not just, you know, material things, not just relationships, but also sometimes letting things go is just letting go of resentment, letting go of hurt, letting go of offense. Man, nothing will keep you from fulfilling God's vision for your life uh, more than, like, offense. Oh, we're hurt, we're offended. Man, you might as well just dig a hole in the ground and then just get in it and stay there until you get off of that offense <laughs> because that's about how much forward motion you're going to get when you're stuck in a fence. All right? Am I willing to let go of things to fulfill his vision, his mission for me? Am I willing to take risks? You know, look back at your life. Have I been a risk taker? Have I been a risk taker with my finances? Have I been a risk taker in my relationships? Have I been a risk taker in God's mission for me? Am I willing to take risks to fulfill God's mission for me? And I want you to just spend some time praying over this, working on this week. Spend some time just, you know, go this afternoon. Y'all are just going to take a nap anyway. So before you go to sleep, before you take your nap, just spend a little time with a notebook, kind of writing some of these things out. Uh, I just want to pray for you. The worship team wants to come back. And uh, I just want to pray that uh, you'd have ears to hear the Holy Spirit in these things. And and, and that you would walk through them and, and pray that you would do the work. Yeah, do the work. The last thing I want is for you guys to leave inspired but not do the work. Okay, inspiration is great. You go home and you go, wow, wasn't that a great service? That was a great message. I'm so glad that we talked about those things, but then you don't do it. And uh, because that doesn't do you any good, right? You know, you look in the mirror and then you walk away and forget what you looked about, looked like, right? Isn't that kind of what scripture says? So... Uh, let me just pray for you. Won't y'all stand with me? Lord, we love you. God, we praise you. God, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the example of Paul and watching what he did and seeing him on mission. And thank you, God, that we're all here today because he was on mission, God, because he honored your mission. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be people 
who are submitted to you, just fully submitted to you, as the missioner of our life, God, we'd be willing to let things go. God, that we would be willing to submit every area to you. God, that we would be willing to take risks. God, that we wouldn't be satisfied to let the circumstances of life dictate our mission, our, our mission or our vision. We, we don't want the circumstances of life to direct our lives, to, to uh, have us float on that current to wherever. But rather, God, we want to be moving towards that life abundantly that you call us to, that you promise, God. We want to take that. We want to do what it takes to get there, God. And so, Lord, we pray for diligence. We pray for discipline, God. We, uh, we pray for those attributes that are needed to do this and to march forward, God. And it's all for you. It's all for your glory, God, because when it's all over and our visions are fulfilled, God, then, then the world is different because of it. And you are glorified because of it. So God, be honored. In Jesus' name, amen.